Alright, guys, this is The Trip, a podcast. Uh, I'm trying to be more upbeat today on the intro. Let me <laughs> let me know how that sounds. I'm Andrew Park, your co-host, and here with me is Armand Rye. Uh, yeah, welcome back, everybody. We're uh, two teenagers on the trip towards truth. Okay, let's not make it sound too corny. Let's just like, <laughs> be ourselves. <laughs> Anything... Anything interesting happening to you? Oh, we have a listener. That's so fucking dope. Yeah. What's up? What's what's up, Slime? <laughs> uh, something something interesting that happened today. Uh, I gave Jordan Jordan Mayhor a mullet and it looks oh, sick as shit. I it's saw sick that. As fuck. Uh, gave, I tried to give him a fade. Everybody's saying I fucked up his fade. No, there's this dye on his hair. Uh, it was also a shitty fade. <laughs> I actually fucked with it. It was hard. I thought it was hard as shit. Uh, it's going to grow in like a fucking beast. He's going to pull a Hadley finally. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to look out for my boys, you know? Hell yeah. That's your second one, right? Second haircut? Yeah, second cut. Putting amateur barber on my fucking CV. <laughs> <All right. laughs> See what Brown has to think about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, today's topic, first topic, is uh, we were talking about this earlier. It's just college admissions. First of all, mm-hmm. do you think that college admission should be test blind. Test blind? Yes. As As in test, no standardized test should be included in the application. uh, I'm going to disagree. If you're saying, if you're asserting that as a statement, I'm going to disagree, man. I'm going to say that having a standardized, and when I mean standard, I mean standard for the entire nation and possibly the entire world if it was uh, some sort of lingual factor you could play in but having a standard set of questions and a standard set of uh, sort of achievements and accolades and landmarks within this standardized test is actually good for the college admissions process being able to have a uh, being able to compare students directly but directly to eat one another by the score I think would be an amazing fucking thing um So a little bit of background on this. Uh, Recent colleges have been saying that they will go test blind, as in they will not consider test scores as a factor in the application process. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the main ones from my experience is actually uh, Harvard University. Mm -hmm. Uh, They actually just completely erased it from the common net. While it is an option to do it in the portal, um, they decided not to include it. And as time goes on, uh, there could be a possible trend in more colleges deciding not to go, not to include test scores. I feel like that's an uh, ex- extremely detrimental thing to the middle class because the argument that uh, standardized tests is favored towards the elite is, in my opinion, completely wrong. And because of the fact that to actually do good on these standardized tests, does not require a tutor whatsoever. I feel like almost everyone is able to do well and study by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, a book only costs like 10 bucks at the max and you can study, take practice tests, learn from your mistakes and improve that way. And a tutor is not necessary by any means. Well, beyond, beyond even just like uh, tutors and practice books, the internet is free. Now it is. Uh, we can you can always go to a school. That's true. You can always go to a school library, stay after school. Uh, most people and most Americans at home have a computer in which they get able to access the internet. And you know, ACT.org has test uh, practice tests. Crack okay. ACT is my my kind of thing. Crack ACT. Crack ACT has every single practice test, every single 
official ACT in like the past like twenty years, I believe. That's the wave. That's the wave. That's ACT, SAT, AP, literally anything you can think of, and that's essentially free, completely free. Mm-hmm. You can print that out, or you can just take it online, and that would be no barrier. There is no barrier to actually accessing these. Another important thing about this is that there has been news in the past that New York schools are deciding to eradicate gifted and talented programs. And you see, like, I think, I think that's absolutely the most terrible thing you could do in the world. Uh, like I understand wanting to be able to create an equal opportunity for everybody, but you also have to understand with equal opportunity, you have to understand there are going to people be people that are more competent than other people. There are going to be people that are better at STEM, STEM subjects than other people and allowing those pe- allowing those specific people, the uh, accessibility and resources to resources to higher education and more intensive education uh, op- programs is essential to our entire education system. We want our students and our youth and, and our adults as well beyond that to be at the, the highest capacity that they're able to be. You know what I mean? Imagine if we didn't have fucking Gatton. I'd be at fucking Trinity being a dickwad with a bunch of my friends. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the, the argument for eradicating these programs, and a lot of, not a lot, a good amount of people believe that this is a good idea. Just because they believe that setting a baseline for everyone to go at the same pace is good for all the students as a whole. But I feel like that doesn't take into account that kids progress differently, mm-hmm. first of all. And uh, the second point is that they are gifted enough to actually find a way to accelerate and find their passion. And being able to eradicate that would essentially be pushing towards equality instead of equity. Mm -hmm. And the major difference between that is that equity is basically giving a starting line for everyone. Um, Well, equity, equity is more like sort of an equality of outcome. You know, you used to, we saw in like sort of the uh, Obama administration and a lot of Marxist ideology, the sort of idea of equality of outcome and with, with Obama's no child left behind back and the uh, sort of the Marxist, a lot of this Marxist doctrine, I'm repeating myself, but, um, what Andrew's talking about with equity, when I, when I usually talk about equality versus equity, I, I usually mean specifically equality of uh, opportunity versus equality of outcome. I think, I think equality of outcome is the worst possible thing in the world. Again, this is something I touched, I touched upon a little bit in the last podcast, but hierarchy should be based off of competence, not off of identity at all. I guess that's like the same point, just in different terms. I believe that equity is the uh, place where all kids start at the same starting line, right? And then equality means the same outcomes for everyone because equity essentially means giving the same resources, giving the same opportunities to all the students for them to pursue by their own accord, right? So it, it is given to all students so that they can pursue it, they can find out, they can accomplish what they want to do. I mean, like, it, as, as, as a, at its core, Gatton is a gifted and talented program, correct? And, you know, what's beautiful about it is that I can study neuroscience and you can study CS. You know, we are allowed to excel within our own fields because of our own competence within hierarchy. Forcing us to have to take the same, forcing me and you to, t- to have to take our same classes would actually limit our potential in general. That's an interesting point that brings up the fact that I feel like in my experience, the exposure 
of these opportunities is not given at for like 80% of the population. And only like we are privileged enough to be again, which is a residential STEM program where we are able to be pushed to pursue research, pursue mm-hmm. other extracurriculars, build clubs. But nobody, 80% of the population does not have the exposure or any sense of um, understanding of these opportunities, especially from kindergarten up to like throughout their high school. They don't know what's possible in the world. Well, I think it's even like when I was in elementary school, I, was, I wasn't into like the gifted and talented program until like fifth grade, really. But then I understand why, because at the time I didn't show off the abilities that a person who was more competent would show off. It was very immature. Uh, but as you grow up, you can understand that when you value competence, you're able to take a hold of research opportunities. You're able to go to college early, like Gatlin Academy allows us to. I think that's what's our most our most most ideal situation for us to do. And it's not necessarily give more resources to smart people. It's allow smart people the resources to be able to make our entire country better. You know, and, and again, it goes back to like what we were talking about earlier, like how college is, is a little bit of a uh, might be a little bit of a pay to win sort of system. We have to make sure that there is some sort of standard at the same time because I'm extremely against the pay to win. I would say I would I'm, my family is definitely I would say in the upper class, but I refuse to take any money from my parents. I, I worked for six months straight and I used that money. My parents forced nothing, forced everything. Uh, that includes hard work, discipline, and accountability. And that is what's most important instead of giving handouts to people who do not deserve the, the, who do not deserve the opportunity to be in certain positions just as we are today. Uh, I'm really into like fixing problems, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And my question is this, how do we solve the problem of students not understanding what is possible, not given the opportunities at uh, such a young age and throughout their high school to uh, college career. Well, what we How do, do we solve that? Well, what we do is we put more competent people on our education system and not people in our education system that we have off of identity. The Detroit public school system is one of the most highly funded systems in the entire nation, yet they have one of the worst repertoires and, and, uh, and test scores in the entire nation. Why is that? It's because they have terrible people who run it. Having people who are able to actually enforce this equal opportunity sort of mindset and giving resources, giving many resources that so that students are able to uh, fully reach their potential is extremely important. You know, uh, and again, Detroit is a is a little bit of a special case, but I think in general that that similar ideology carries on to everywhere else. I agree. I agree. Uh, so your point is that we should put more competent people in the education system. It's not necessarily a funding issue, although I think that funding is an amazing fucking thing for our public education system. And I disagree with a lot of the conservative. I, I mean, I would say I'm traditionally more Republican and I would I'm going to register for the Republican Party. But I hate the Republican, I, the sort of recent Republican uh, movements towards taking away educational freedom. We should be promoting discussions in our classroom and we should be allowing competency to grow within the classroom and putting in competent people in the education system to be able to allow this culture of competence growing. I agree with that. I think it starts from baseline and surrounding yourself with people that have the same uh, goals. And uh, I feel like being in an environment where everyone is pursuing research makes you want to do, makes you believe that, oh, research isn't that hard. I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I think that even if you have like an organization, right, or have every single public school somehow promote all these opportunities, research programs, internship programs, extracurriculars, mm-hmm. um, things that they can achieve that still wouldn't do the job of helping these kids actually accomplish it because mm-hmm. no one else in their environment is actually doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that even if you present these opportunities to these students, a vast majority of them wouldn't actually pursue it just because no one around them is. I mean, yeah, again, and I think also a part of that is making sure these programs are identity blind. You know, uh, one thing I think is a terrible thing with our education system is we have such a focus on identity and individ- and, and parts of individuality. And I think that it's uh, it's like individuality is just that. It's up to the individual. You know, we should be having, and again, our hierarchy, which is inevitable, and we can probably have a discussion about that one day, but I will, we need to have our hierarchy based off confidence, not off of, off of identity. You know, I think that when we have these programs, which we, uh, and some of them are justified to be fair. A lot of the, some of the ones like income disparity programs are, those are very, I think those are definitely important. But uh, when we're allowing different things that, when we're allowing people different opportunities based off of their identity and their physical characteristic is terrible. Because I think that um, a lot of these programs that such as you, we talked about Harvard earlier, they penalize uh, Asian Americans and their emissions process. And what, what, what does Harvard mean by, by penalizing Asian Americans? It means that Asian Americans have an easier time of getting to the best school in the nation and that African Americans have a harder time. And it's purely based off of race, not off of competence. And maybe you can make the argument that maybe there's slight income factors to it, but from what I've seen in schools of just beyond Harvard and such as the Texas schools, they penalize Asian Americans based off their race and African Americans uh, are promoted based off the race, which inherently in itself is racist doctrine and racist legislation. There's no other way to, to go about it than, than just saying that this legislation is in that black people are on incapable of being able to seize these opportunities purely because of their race. And that's why I'm, I'm extremely in favor of income disparity uh, programs because there definitely are is correlations with, um, with our current race climate and their relationship with income disparity. But again, these programs that are going on are identity based, not, and are by, based off of physical characteristics, not income and, and not primarily income disparity based. There is a counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. which is that diversity allows for more viewpoints mm-hmm. and um, varying ideology to be shared, which ultimately promotes progress, right? So mm-hmm. even if you have the most competent people, if they are all the same, right, they might have all the same ideology, which might ultimately not be the best one. And the only way to actually accomplish that is to have diversity. What do you say about that? But that's that's not di- – that's not – diversity of physical characteristics such as race sex and gender orientation that's based off of competence diversity so yeah having people from both having like uh americans being admitted to higher education from the south the west the north and the east all four corners of america that's amazing because these areas have different ideologies and again income disparity programs that allow people who may otherwise not be able to afford these uh, the higher education programs and higher education in general. That's important to allow sort of this competence diversity. And, and again, I think that, um, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. They're saying that like 
it should be based what you're talking when you're talking about this sort of growing in competence and exchange of knowledge it's a competence or an idea ide, ideology diversity but to be able to have those type of discussions in the first place is within is is directly related and correlated with having competent people we are both competent people but we disagree on so many things and i don't necessarily change your mind all the time and you don't necessarily change my mind all the time but we are able to challenge each other because we are both competent people which allows us to grow and again, having and I hate talking to and one thing I did not like about going to my old high school, Trinity High School, is that there were just not many competent people to talk about, and I did not grow as a person or a student. That I feel like I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Have competent people, and that is the end all be all of mm-hmm. the baseline, the foundation of how essentially a college admissions should work and as well as like how society should progress on a competence based system. Yeah. But I I think that's the most fairest and most effective way. And race should not be involved in any of these scenarios. I think that setting quotas for race is very terrible ideology. But wouldn't you say race also inherently has different varying ideas. So you could still have competent people in whether they be white, Asian, black, or any other race, if they are competent in any of these, um... yeah. But see, but see, again, that's that's more off that these cultures that are predominantly own or predominantly uh, have high densities of a certain race have these sort of ideologies. It's not necessarily the race. There are black people on the alt right, and there are black people on the alt left. And, and, and having the, and again, having the most competent people from these cultures and races is obviously the most beautiful thing in the world. But setting quotas for it and having it in mind that we need to have a certain amount of people or we need to have we need to fall within a certain percentage percentage is inherently harmful. So, but but to be fair, if if I were to get a if if, if I were a college. And let's say all three applicants had the same exact like baseline, a base, same uh, academic stats, but two of them were extreme Republicans and one of them was an extreme Democrat. I would most like, as the college admissions, I would hope that we would pick one of those Republicans, one of those Democrats, if all their other academic, uh, all their academic stats were the same. Because again, that's promoting diversity within competence. That is, and that diversity and competence should be outside of physical characteristics. I agree. I agree completely. So, mm. uh, essentially, if you theoretically have college admissions completely identity blind, you would still be able to choose people that are competent in a wide range of cultures and mm. identity, mm-hmm. regardless of um, their race, just because that there are competent people in all different types of groups. Yeah. Like, obviously, I think, I, I hope, I, I mean... I have no problem with having a woman president at all. I have no problem with a black president being at all. I would just hope that they don't get it because of their certain identity. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, there's some, I mean, like some people may not like this with me being Republican, but there's a lot of good Republican women who are out there. There are a lot, and there are a lot of smart black Republicans and there are a lot of smart white Democrats, you know, it's like, yeah, but I just hope that they get based off their, the character of their human and their actual competence rather than their physical characteristics, because at the end of the day, that should mean absolutely nothing. Uh, I agree. Biden also uh, recently announced that he would personally elect a black woman 
or minority woman into office solely to fit that quota to say that I elected a minority into the office. And I feel like inherently it is hard to do that on paper it is easy to go identity blind right mm. but in the real world it is very difficult because we as humans look at each other we know who they are their background their culture and mm. it is hard to actually um completely inherently believe that oh i'm gonna see this as any other person right well yeah but i think that like when you look at me we're both of asian asian descent right but we're not we're not friends because we are of Asian descent. We don't talk to each other because we are of Asian descent. We talk to each other because we're both competent people with who like to challenge us, challenge each other, and want each other to grow and have our similar interests and uh, similar goals in mind and values in mind. And that's what truly matters more. I, I and and that's what we'll see in the more, and that's what I hope to see in the future. Uyghurs that are being oppressed, raped. Um, who? Persecute the Uyghurs. I'm not completely adept to the situation. Right, experience. right. Okay. So it's people are ex, uh, basically uh, trying to or believe that this is similar to Nazi and the Jews because uh, the Chine, um, Chinese government is essentially putting the Uyghurs who are on the um, west side of China. Mm-hmm. who have different culture background than uh, the uh, majority of Chinese people. And because of yeah, that... Yeah, it was like five, only 5% of the population lives in the west half of China. Right. So the, the, the Uyghurs are of completely different um, culture and descent. Mm-hmm. And basically what the Chinese government is trying to do is send these uh, people into concentration camps, mm-hmm. uh, torture, rape, um, persecute, kill them. Is it, is it, are these, are, is this what, are these people predominantly Muslim or is this what, or is this something completely different? In my yes. Opinion? Yeah. So essentially why I bring this up is that recently there has been, um, a big, uh, outburst in what a, um, big entrepreneur and investor has said, uh, uh and he basically claimed that, uh, right now he is not, uh, going he does not believe that this is a big problem that he should solve mm-hmm. because that he thinks that before solving the problems outside the world, we should solve problems within the United States. And uh, in the process, he did uh, remark um, that uh, it is below his line to care for like the human rights of the leaders because he truly believes that um, right now, he has more important to think uh, to accomplish and to achieve within the United States. And the point he made to give some context about who he is, he is a um, uh, major. Uh, Can you say who he is? His name is Shamath Palihapitiya. Mm-hmm. He You're is your idol. <laughs> yes, he is my idol. Uh, he is the CEO of um, of venture capital. And basically what he does as a venture capital is just allocate money and fund uh, companies that think uh, that he thinks will better the society today. Mm-hmm. And that's why he believes that that is on his priority rather than Uyghurs. I mean, like, I understand that argument. Like, it, it, it sounds like this argument somewhat resembles what Elon Musk was put in the situation where he was like, 
the basically people were were antagonizing him for not donating millions of dollars towards the world different world hunger organizations and he was just he basically said show me that you guys will actually do something about it and i'll do it you know prioritize if you have a lot of money and you want to do something good with it there's nothing wrong with making sure with having with making sure that the organizations that you believe are actually going to make the most impact are are prioritized and especially i think that within your own nation again is most likely is most likely a very good thing um there are terrible things that happen in our country i think it's terrible we have more houses than homeless people you know and especially since there's just an extreme amount of jobs that are still able to be filled and part of the reason is because that the a reason for that is definitely because of the pandemic but i think it's terrible that that still happens and there's still an extreme amount of people that uh experience poverty in america and who don't know if they have three or they don't know if they're going to have a meal every single day so yeah making sure that these a lot of our people in our own nation are safe before we decide to go out to be the and to be the savior of the rest of the international community in my in my opinion is a fundamentally good thing i'm i'm, fun, I'm fundamentally against to be fair i am fundamentally against a lot of different international agreements on the contrary side couldn't you also say that he is able to allocate money and time and effort to both of these causes since this is a uh, issue that is dealing with basic human rights well, do you know what? There's still basic human rights that are being violated in America, and if he's, if he has the power, I believe personally and fundamentally, if you put in the labor and you put in the risk to gain your money, you have the the individual right to allocate those funds to however you just seek fit. And uh, other, obviously, than that, things like terrorism, we should obviously take away things like that. But you should generally have the right to do what you want with your money because you earn that money. And while, although I think that it, it would definitely be an amazing fucking thing for him to, <laughs> to help save those people, uh, he has the right to allocate his money to other problems. Right. And also this is a scale of basic human rights in the world. So there are o- other organiz- organizations, NATO, um, that essentially should be, pushing towards this cause rather than him an entrepreneur and you know i think it's terrible that we still have a lot of countries that because of their their economical prowess that they're able to literally bypass international law which is why i'm I'm fundamentally feel like international law is a lot of times extremely ineffective and useless at times you know again like what elon musk said with the world hunger uh, world hunger organization that if elon musk is going to say you guys just aren't going to use the money in a right way so i'm not going to give you money elon musk has every right to do that you know do you know what and i would say it's everybody should be fed and I hope that everybody has at least three meals a day that are accessible to them. But if those funds that Elon Musk has are not that he believes are not going to be properly used, and he wants to spend his money elsewhere, do you know what? He has every single right to do that. I think I think it'd be fucking awesome. Like I'm not saying that Elon Musk should not to give his money, but he has the right to not to. Again, he he with his labor, with his competence, and with his risks, with his businesses, he has every right to use his money how he wants to. I would, you know, I would really fucking hope that those the, the, those people that are getting sent to concentration camps they get saved. Like, it's a terrible fucking thing for anybody being in a concentration camp. But I generally, it, I generally just believe that, and from a more fundamental perspective, it should be a group effort. We should not rely on one person to have to pay for it all. I like why is the United Nations not pressuring China and and uh, pressuring embargoes on China because of this? 
It's because they're too much. They're, they're too bitch made to do it in, yeah. in a simple way. And in a simple manner, like you shouldn't. I mean, like the, the idea of the idea of fundamentally relying on one entity, uh, <laughs> one entity to be able to solve the entire world's problems. That's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. I think that like just the sort of idea of relying on one person for any. I think just relying on one person for anything is fucking terrible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I have nothing else to add. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't really have much else to add either. Just. Again, I'm more fundamentally of a you. You had your labor. You had your put in your risk. You deserve to do the right with you right to do with what you want with your capital. Uh, I think that wraps it up for this podcast. Uh, Armand and I were talking. Uh, we agree on a lot of things, and we think that a dissenting view or a dissenting uh topic would be interesting to discuss. And hopefully, we'll get either like. Uh, some ideas or a new person onto this podcast mm-hmm. to just um, think in a different way and to actually just challenge us more. Uh, hopefully we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Again, again uh, I'm a big believer in free speech. We talk about yeah. this a lot. Uh, making sure that we challenge each other to be able to sh- not only strengthen our own views, but to become more competent as a society. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what our entire country was built off of. <laughs> it's all right for people to disagree. Just do it in a civil manner. Yeah. Uh, Anything interesting happen in your day, Andrew? Uh, not not that much. Uh, lately, I've been just doing work, but trying to make sure that I like enjoy my last semester here. Uh, just taking in all the like relationships, just really um, enjoying the conversations I have with people mm-hmm. and forming relationships off that way for any of you guys that don't know uh andrew is somewhat of a fanboy for stanford university i am such a big oh my god stanford please accept me and you're hearing this stanford oh i absolutely love this school so much and love the environment love the culture would be such a such a great such a great opportunity and uh he might be a little too shy to admit this but we're using this app because someone from stanford made it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the four, four, four co-founders, and also the, the person that actually founded the, I mean, funded this, David Sachs, also came from Stanford. He went to Stanford. Yes, David Sachs went to Stanford. Who else went to Stanford? Peter Thiel. He was also friends with David Sachs. Really? Yeah, and they together made PayPal, the PayPal Mafia. So basically, <laughs> I'm fanboying over Stanford, the great people there, the great people that actually created this app, along with like a multitude of other companies. Uh, I was actually surprised uh, when I actually reached out to um, David Sachs and Colin, and then the co-founder of Colin actually responded uh that, that was actually awesome mm-hmm. he also subscribed to this podcast and if you're hearing this right now love you so much man uh yeah thank you for reaching out we respect you very much for that and we hope you, you get back to andrew into <laughs> in polite terms also need also need the chapter section of this app working love this app so great uh yeah i think we've been pretty uh happy with basically with the app so far yeah uh also uh, I will, I hope to create like an Android app right now. I know that there's just an iOS app. I think that like personally just be a great experience to like build this on Android just for like my own repertoire of like building projects. Um, anyways, that's just like an idea I had something I want to pursue later on. Um, anyways, uh, that wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening. 
if you're the co-founders of Call In, uh, make, sure, make sure to follow us, uh, follow us on Instagram, too. We made yeah. a, what do we call it, the Trip Podcast official. official Apparently someone that. took the Trip Podcast already, which is a, a little bit annoying. But yeah, <laughs> we'll... we'll uh, that's gonna be more just us posting kind of our like our, our kind of our lives together. You know, I mean, we're, but believe it or not, Andrew and I are actually kind of friends. <laughs> <laughs> we are kind of close. Uh, we do have kind of a, a fun life, I would say. Fun life, interesting relationship. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is the All In Podcast. Hope you guys enjoy the trip podcast. The trip podcast. What did I say? All in. Oh, I'm also a huge fan of the All In podcast. I'm so sorry about that. You are a big love fan, the All In podcast, dude. That's that's the only thing I hear. Great uh, people. You need to listen to it, dog. I it's so great. I, I, I feel like I'm cheating on Joe Rogan. No, dude, else. it's so much better than Joe Rogan. Promise. There's nothing that's you'll love than it. Joe Rogan All podcast. In podcast. I'm sorry. This is the Trip Cop podcast. We're two teenagers on the trip towards truth. Yeah. This is Andrew and Armand Rye. We thank you for everyone for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.